We're moving into the Christmas season, and this year we've chosen as our Christmas sermon series, Christmas Survival Kit. Uh, Doing Christmas is harder than it looks. Uh, For all the festive lights and decorations and parties and food and gifts, uh, there's a darker, more difficult side to Christmas. Uh, It can be a hard season to navigate. And if you don't watch yourself, you can come out of the Christmas season more in debt, deeper in depression, unhealthier with strained relationships. And so we're trying to help you come through the Christmas season healthier, happier, and in better shape than someone who falls prey to the dark side of Christmas. Uh, We really want you to do more than survive this Christmas. We want you to thrive. And as we move into the new year, we don't want you to have to make a bunch of resolutions to undo all the damage that happened through the Christmas season. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to need to deal with some significant issues in your life. And that's what this series is all about. Last week, we talked about grief. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about avoiding the gift trap. This past weekend was the beginning of the official Christmas shopping season. uh, You know, there's more debt, more overspending this time of year than any other time of year. Maybe you noticed your, your Kansas City Star on Thursday. The thing was massive and just full of ads. For the next month, your mailbox, your TV, your radio, your newspaper are going to be filled with catalogs and advertisements. Marketers have been strategizing all year for this Christmas shopping season, and their whole goal is to get money out of your pocket and into theirs. Uh, Retailers spend 11 months of the year in the red, in debt, until Black Friday. And on Black Friday, their goal is to shift all their debt to you. That's their goal. And that's the first negative effect of the gift trap, debt. Proverbs 22.7 says the borrower is servant to the lender. Actually, the word servant isn't strong enough there. It, it should be the borrower is slave to the lender. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season, if you can't afford to buy something without paying credit, don't buy it. Or you're going to be paying for it long after it's broken, long after the kids have lost interest in it. Paying credit card bills after Christmas is like paying for a dead horse. There just is no joy in it. So make your New Year's resolutions early. Uh, I'd encourage you, tell everybody that you normally buy gifts for that this year you are reducing your shopping list. You're cutting back. You're going to buy small things for the kids. You're going to donate to the homeless. You're going to donate to the disaster relief. But other than that, you're cutting back. Now, I can hear you saying, oh, my family would never go for that. You know, they love their presents. But I'd encourage you to ask them. You might be surprised. Uh, we did this years ago as a family with our relatives, our extended family. We just, we just at, told them, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. We're sorry. And, and they were thrilled. They were relieved because they no longer had to spend money they didn't have and time they didn't have trying to buy me things that I didn't want to appreciate. You know, if they won't go for that plan, at least say, you know what, we need to put a price limit for each present. Uh, We need to draw names and and buy presents for one person rather than buying presents for every person. Come up with a plan to cut back so you can stay out of debt. And if you'll do that, you'll have a much better Christmas day and you're not stressed out, you haven't violated your budget, you haven't broken the bank, and your new year, your new year will get off to a much better start if you stay out of debt through Christmas. Next effect of the gift trap is more fatigue. If you spend more and more buying more and more stuff, you have to work more and more in order to pay for it. 
the gift trap drives us to fatigue. There's an old story of a peasant and a king, and the king came to the peasant and said, I will give you for your own as much land as you can walk around in one day. And so the peasant started running in order to get as much land as he possibly could. And he ran so hard, he ran so far, trying to get more, that he died of exhaustion at the end of the day. Too many people give up their health and their youth in order to get money, and then in their old age they spend all their money trying to get their health back. We need to be wiser than that. Proverbs 23, 4, Do not wear yourself out to be rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. The wise thing to do in this crazy shopping season is to show restraint. You know, shoppers are showing up at the mall with stun guns. I mean, come on, people, show some restraint here. The gift trap brings more expenses. And I don't care how much the clerk says you saved, it always costs you to have more. Ecclesiastes 5.11 says, The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. You know, the more you make, the more you acquire, the more people it takes to maintain it. And suddenly it takes an accountant, a lawyer, a mechanic, an insurance agent, your tax man, the geek squad, and the game developer, and the help desk. They're all working for you. They're all living off of you. So what's the advantage of wealth except to watch it run through your fingers? You know these little uh, signs that you see, sometimes people you know, you get a little plaque or post it on Facebook or something. I saw one the other day, it said, I used to dream of the salary I'm now starving on. You know, just when you get the, to the, end, get the ends to meet, somebody adds more rope. And you know, we think we don't make enough, but the truth is we spend too much. Gift trap brings more anxiety. The more you buy, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. If you don't have it, you don't have to worry about it. You go out and buy a bunch of stuff on credit, now you have to worry about paying for it. And the more you have, the more you have to protect it. You, know, you leave the house to go to work, you leave the house to come to church, and you got all that stuff in your house unprotected. And that creates anxiety. Ecclesiastes 5.12, a working man can get a good night's sleep, but the rich man has so much that he stays awake worrying. What's he worried about? How to protect it, how to maintain it, how to insure it, how to avoid taxes. Studies have showed that insomnia increases with income. Insomnia increases with income. The more money you make, the more sleepless nights you'll have. So debt, fatigue, expenses, anxiety, that leads to more conflict. Greedy people bring trouble to their families. Uh, the number one cause of divorce, study after study, show the number one cause of divorce is conflict over money. For our day, our generation, it's become till debt do us part. Uh, don't raise your hand on this, just asking the question for you to think about. How many of you couples have ever had conflict over a gift that one of you bought that the other one thought you couldn't afford? How many of you parents have ever had conflict with your kids over a gift they wanted but you couldn't afford? You know, when you've got one side working hard to earn the money and the other side is spending the money, you set yourself up for conflict. If you're not working together to earn the money, to manage the money, to budget the money, to control the spending, working together, then you're working against each other and that's going to cause conflict. Another problem... The, 
to the gift trap. And this one's kind of ironic. Uh, The gift trap brings more dissatisfaction. You know, we think that more is going to provide more satisfaction. More gifts, more giving. It's going to provide all this happiness. But we find that it has the exact opposite result that we're looking for. You know, have you ever bought a gift for someone or even been given a gift? And at first you're just all excited about it. And then you find out that the gift is not all it's cracked up to be. And you go out and buy the latest device, the latest fad, clothes, or game, and and that new item can buy happiness for a short time, but over time, and sometimes not even a long time, it loses its luster, and you become dissatisfied with it. You know, how many of you are still thrilled with the things you got for Christmas last year? Most of us can't even name the things that we got for Christmas last year. That's how temporary possessions are. They are short-term pleasure. Ecclesiastes 5.10, if you love money, you will never be satisfied. If you long to be rich, you will never get all you want. It's useless. The Bible says it's foolish to think that wealth, that stuff, brings happiness. So in 2014... If you'd like to have less fatigue, less expenses, less anxiety, less conflict, and less dissatisfaction, you're going to have to lay the groundwork for that in Christmas 2013. You've got to avoid the gift trap. Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content, whether living in plenty or in want. Circle the word secret. It is a secret. It does not come naturally to us. It is something we must learn. Learn the secret of avoiding the gift trap. How do we do that? The Bible tells us there are four steps. Number one, stop comparing myself to others. When you're caught up in the gift trap, you compare yourself to what others have, to what others give, and to what others get. And when you start comparing yourself to what others have, give, and get, you're headed for trouble. You've got to stop comparing yourself to other people. 2 Corinthians 10, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves. It is not wise. To compare my gift giving and getting to someone else is not wise. But the problem is, in America, comparing ourselves to others is one of our favorite indoor sports. We love to compare ourselves. You walk into somebody's house and you're looking around. Ooh, look at this floor. Oh, look at those draperies. Look at that TV. And you're comparing everything. You're standing in line at the checkout. You're gawking in other people's carts. You're watching them check out. What are they buying? Should I have bought that? Hmm, I wonder if I could have that in that cart. Ooh, she's got a stun gun. (laughs) You're constantly comparing, and that keeps you frustrated. If you're going to learn contentment, you've got to stop comparing because comparing leads to coveting. And the Bible says you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. So just the next time you see that somebody has something nice that you don't have, instead of comparing and coveting, I'd encourage you just pray a little prayer about that. Just pray a little prayer and say, God, thank you that I don't have their payments. Because they're still paying for it. They have debt. They have fatigue. They have expenses. They have worries. They have conflict. They have dissatisfaction. And you can avoid all of that if you stay out of the gift trap and you learn to be content and not covet and don't compare. Second key to avoiding the gift trap 
enjoy what I have. Too often, <clears throat> we're so busy going after what, we, uh, what else we want that we don't enjoy what we've got. It's just a problem. You know, how many people do you know who've overextended themselves to buy a big, beautiful house, and then they're never at home to enjoy it because they have to work so much to pay for it? They don't get to enjoy what they've got because they're busy making money to get more. Lake houses sit empty, boats rot in the dock, RVs gather dust and mold in the driveway, golf clubs rust in the garage. People don't enjoy what they already have because they're always going after more and more. But God wants you to enjoy life. You know, people think God is some cosmic killjoy. You know, God wants you to frown through life, never be happy, never laugh, never have fun, never enjoy it. But God created it all for your enjoyment. God created it so we could enjoy it. God created taste buds and then he created pecan pie. God created earbuds and, and then he created music. You know, there's no purpose for music except enjoyment. Enjoyment and worship. If you believe in evolution, you have no explanation for music. There's, there's nothing about survival in music. So music is all about enjoyment and worship. And God enjoys you, watching you enjoy what he's given you. Ecclesiastes 5.19, if God gives a man wealth and property, he should be grateful and enjoy what he has. It is a gift from God. And that's actually a command there. God commands you to enjoy what you have, to appreciate what God has already given you, to be grateful for it, enjoy it. And so you need to ask yourself, what am I not enjoying right now that I already have? We can get into this, this when-then thinking. When this happens, then I'll be happy. And parents, you've got to watch yourself in this, and, and you've got to watch it in your kids. Kids can get so focused on what they don't have or can't do yet that they don't enjoy the life, stage of life that they're in. Kids get so focused on the next stage of life. Oh, man, when I get in junior high, then I'll be happy. When I get in high school, then I'll be happy. When I get out of high school, then I'll be happy. And they race through life, and they don't enjoy what they've got. You know, when I get that new game system, then I'll be happy. When I get a new bike, then I'll be happy. When I get some new clothes, then I'll be happy. When I get a new phone, then I'll be happy. It's when, then thinking. But if you're not happy now with what you have now, you will not be happy then with what you have then because you will always not have something you're creating an atmosphere where you always want a little bit more. You may think, oh, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Well, there's two ways to get enough. One of them's hard. One of them's easy. You know, one of them, you have to work more in order to have enough. The other one, you just want less. Work more, want less. Which one is the easiest way to have enough? First Timothy 6... 17 says, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, I'm going to put this in perspective for you. If you have any coins in your pocket, if you have any coins in a little tray in the car, if you have any spare change sitting in a jar on a dresser at home, if you have any spare change, nickels, dimes, pennies, quarters, whatever it is, 
you are wealthier than 78% of the people who live on planet Earth. Because 78% of the people have no money. They have spent it all. They are at survival existence. They are working desperately trying to get enough for the next meal. If you have any excess, you're richer than 78% of the people. If you have a refrigerator, you're in the top 5% of wealthy people on the planet. So when Paul tells Timothy to command the rich to do something, he's talking about us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If you want to get out of the, uh, avoid the gift trap, if you want to avoid debt, fatigue, expenses, worry, conflict, and dissatisfaction, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God and enjoy what you have. That's the key. And parents, I just ask you, is your approach to Christmas teaching your kids to do those four things? Is it teaching your kids not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, in things, in stuff, but to put their hope in God and enjoy what they have? Christmas is really a wonderful opportunity to teach those values to your kids. But if you're going to teach those values, you've got to avoid the gift trap. Third thing, we've got to remember life is not about things. We've got to maintain the right perspective on possessions, or I'll be possessed by my possessions. If life is about things, I'm going to be dissatisfied and discontent. And Jesus tells us in Luke 12, 15, he says, Watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed. Jesus says, Watch out. Guard yourselves. This is a real threat. Because your true life is not made up of the things you own, no matter how rich you may be. Life is not about the acquisition of things. It is a waste of my life to spend it piling up a pile of things. Proverbs 30 says this. This is the prayer of Agur. And I don't know who Agur was, but I know he was wise. And I know he avoided the gift trap. Because he says, Oh God, I ask for two things from you before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Because the truth matters. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who's the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Agar had a healthy, balanced perspective on wealth. And many of us are willing to pray one part of this prayer. We're willing to pray, God, don't make me too poor. We'll pray that one. But are we willing to pray the other half, to say, God, don't make me too rich? Because either extreme can cause you to forget God. Wealth can make you prideful, and poverty can make you bitter. And I need to remember, my life is not about things. That leads to the fourth way to avoid the gift trap. I must focus on what will last forever. I I focus my attention on permanent values, eternal priorities, on things that will last forever. Now, nothing you see is going to last forever. Nothing you buy for Christmas is going to last forever. It's all going to rust out, wear out, decay, break, and rot. 
Every possession is temporary. Only two things are going to last forever. One is the Word of God. The Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. That's why you need to know the Bible, read the Bible, obey the Bible, because it is the foundation of truth for your life that will last forever. The other thing that's going to last forever is people. People will live forever in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. There's a real heaven, there is a real hell. Now, how do I know that? Because Jesus Christ said so. And Jesus Christ told the truth. He knows more about this than you or me, about this than anybody. If there's no heaven, there's no hell, then Jesus coming at Christmas and dying on the cross at Easter, it was a total waste. I mean, what is the point of Christmas if there's no heaven and hell? What's the point in Christ coming? If he didn't come to save us, to redeem us. That's why we're to invest our lives in people and not things. Because things break and decay and rot. Things just go out of style. But people last forever. And so this Christmas, don't let things shift your focus off of people. Don't start thinking that the people in your life need more things. Things aren't the answer Things obscure the answer. Things clutter up our lives. They block our vision. They distort our focus. So if you want to avoid the gift trap, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says we fix our attention. That's focus. We fix our attention. Focus on what's going to last forever. Not on the things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. In this Christmas season, you and I have to decide, what am I going to build my life on? The acquisition of things or relationships with people? Am I going to focus on people or possessions, riches or relationships? It's a choice you've got to make. What's going to be your focus? And it's a difficult choice to make because the world is telling you exactly the opposite of what I've taught you today. Everything in the world tells you. Everything in the world is built on the idea that more, buying more, spending more, giving more, getting more, that's the key to happiness. That's the way to joy. And we can fall into the trap and and think that since I'm buying gifts for other people, since I'm buying things to give away, since I'm being generous and giving to others, that makes the debt, the fatigue, the excess, the overextension, it makes it okay. But that's not true. Actually, Christmas is a season of testing. Christmas is an opportunity to decide, am I going to listen to Madison Avenue or to the Master? Am I going to listen to culture or to Christ? Am I going to listen to the world or to the Word? One will bring debt, fatigue, expenses, worry, conflict, and dissatisfaction. The other will bring joy and contentment. Which one do you want for yourself, for your family? You're going to have to learn the secret of contentment for you, for your spouse, for your kids, for your family. 
Is what you're doing this Christmas season bringing contentment? If not, you may want to change your approach. Let's pray together. Would you just pray this prayer in your heart? Would you say, God, please forgive me for comparing myself to others? Forgive me for coveting what others have that I don't have. God, help me to find my security, my joy, my contentment in you, not in possessions, not in things, not in what other people think about me because of the gifts that I give them. Lord, help me to enjoy what I have and to teach my family to do the same. I don't want to be materialistic. I want to be content and grateful for what I have. So, Lord, help me to remember that life is not about things. I, I thank you that you promised to give me enough to satisfy my needs. And so I don't want to steal to insult your holy name. I don't want to become so rich I forget my need of you. But, God, this Christmas season, I want to focus on what will last forever my relationship with those I love, and my relationship with you. God, may I see you as the source of my joy. May I see you as the one who meets my need, meets the needs of my family. And may we focus on you, for we ask it in Jesus' name.